Church, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Revelation chapter 2. If you um, feel so led in the coming weeks, y'all, phone calls, cards, visits. I always like the unexpected visit when you just kind of show up. That would be best. So we're just going to, no, we're not, son. Nicole, we're going to show up between 12 a.m. and 2 a.m. to pray. No, we're not. Um, Y'all continue to pray and trust the Lord, for he is faithful. I am thankful for God allowing us to be a part of a church family that loves one another well. Um, So this morning, we're going to unpack another letter in the scriptures, a letter to the church of Thyatira. I get told first service, um, if you ever come across, and that's actually how you say it, but if you ever come across a word in scripture and you're not sure how to pronounce it, if you just say it with boldness and confidence, most people aren't going to ask any questions anyway, you know? So just boldly proclaim that, Thyatira. Um, it's in all caps today, too. I figure we get our attention. The church at Thyatira. Um, as we read this, you know, I pray that God speaks to your heart and reminds you of who he is and what he's done. Uh, just this morning, it's been a neat morning. Um, We've got churches meeting all over Morgan County. We've got a new congregation that's meeting for the first time. They met over at Empire Mills this morning at 1015, had a chance to go and, and just pray and see what the Lord's doing, and it's good. Um, and I'm being reminded of God's faithful promise. Um, today, as we read this letter together, um, it's a little bit long. Revelation 2, verses 18 to 28, right? Just 10 verses. But y'all, it's really good. Um, I invite you to open up. If you have a Bible, if not, it'll be on the screen as we read this letter together to the church in Thyatira. Here we go. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and your faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. But... I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of their works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. And verse 29 says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We've been preaching through these letters the last few weeks, looking at these letters that were written to actual churches in the area where Jesus was resurrected, mostly modern day Turkey, 2,000 years ago. 
Each of these letters, I fully believe, when people read them for the first time, they were probably thinking, oh, he's talking about us because he's naming us by name in our town, our church. But God is big enough to write to a church 2,000 years ago a message that can still be applied to churches today. Over the last few weeks, we've asked our church family to be in prayer. Lord, how are you speaking to us through these letters that were written 2,000 years ago? We're not the church at Thyatira. We're the church in Morgan County. What is God calling us to do based off of what he shared in these words? Some asked me last week when this sermon was planned, because I think a few things in our town in the last week it's crazy. This sermon was actually planned back in January um, when we did our sermon calendar for a little while. We edit those. We don't stick all the way to those. We allow the Lord to move, but I do believe in God's sovereignty. Sometimes he just allows things to fall right into place in an appropriate time. I've learned a few things from this passage. I pray they speak to you as well. First, we cannot tolerate false teaching. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, cannot tolerate false teaching. Jezebel in Revelation 2 could have been the real name of a lady. Can you imagine being a lady in the church? Your name's Jezebel and Jesus like, tell, tell that girl Jezebel. <laughs> Jezebel's like, time for me to go. That was my baby. Like, I need to slip out. That's awkward. We know that's a real name. This is a name that's likely used because it brings about ideas and thoughts from Old Testament passages about a real woman whose name was Jezebel who really did with King Ahab, his wife, his, her husband, represent an entire category of sexual immorality and adultery. You know, these are the same two sins. We, we got into those pretty heavy last week. We don't need to get into those as much this week. Same two sins that God had against Pergamum. Sexual immorality, <laughs> sexual immorality eating food, sacrifice to idols. Christ condemned Jezebel for both of them. But then he takes it a step further in this letter. He doesn't just condemn the one who is doing the false teaching. He condemns the ones who are sitting under the false teaching, who are tolerating the false teaching. Church, what we tolerate today will be embraced tomorrow. Generation after generation, if I could add a little bit to it, that's not the Bible, so I can do that. That's just a fun phrase. What we tolerate today, the next generation will embrace. I would highly say and believe that the generation after that would begin to celebrate. We must be aware of what is being taught, especially in our churches, especially in our Sunday school classes, especially in our Bible studies. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, this is written a long time ago, and I believe it speaks to times such as now. For the time is coming... When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. God gave Jezebel time to repent, and she refused. I would like to point out that I believe there's a big difference between refusing to repent and struggling with sin in the midst of needing to repent, all right? Every one of us is a sinner fallen on our own, like we've all fallen short. 
The devil knows the things that we can be tempted with to get us to stumble. Every one of us will continue to be tempted until we are present with Jesus Christ in glory. When we struggle with a sin, as a Christian, to me, that is more to do with I'm intentionally trying not to do something that God clearly says is wrong. Sometimes I fall into it. Sometimes I stumble. Sometimes I go backwards, but I know and acknowledge it's wrong. I'm continually trying to push back. Again, that's a struggle. It's not what Jezebel's doing. That's not what some church folks are doing today. To refuse to repent is to fully embrace the thing that you know God has said is wrong, and you tell the Lord, either through your action of continuing to do it or verbally in a prayer, I don't need to repent of that because I either don't think it's wrong or I don't want to. That's where Jezebel was. She was refusing to repent and God gave her time to repent. The catch with her was she was also teaching others to fall into the same temptations. The word justification sets people free from sin's penalty. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, he said the three words, it is finished. Jesus didn't say he was finished because he would continue on forever. He said, it is finished. What's the it? The it, when Jesus says it is finished, is the justification for the sins of the world was fully completed when Jesus uttered those words. When Jesus says it is finished, your sin, my sin, church, was taken off of us and placed on Jesus. So if you are thinking right now, no one knows what it's like to be in the sin that I'm in, Jesus does because he actually took it upon himself as he was dying for your sins on the cross. Justification is when we believe in what Jesus has already done. We confess and believe that Christ is Lord. Justified, saved, it's set in stone, unchanging, we're with him forever. That's where we start in the process of faith. Open up the doors of heaven. Yes. Have a table seated, a seat at the table of God's grace. Yes. But as Christians, we're not called, I don't believe, I'm trying to say this gently, just to be justified. We start by being justified by trusting in Christ. But the moment after we confess and believe, the moment we are justified, we begin to become sanctified through being sanctification, I said that phrase wrong, grammar teacher, by being sanctified, by becoming more like Jesus every day. So sanctification is not justification, that's when we're saved. Sanctification is the continual process of being made more holy. It is the progressive conformity of the one who has been justified into the image of their Savior through the work of the Holy Spirit. People that I know who have known the Lord for 60, 70, and 80 years and know him well are still being sanctified. They're still becoming more like him. They're still learning more about him. We had a group right here this last week in a prayer meeting still sharing their hearts of what God is doing because there's a process of becoming more like him, which is why it's so important, church, who we allow to teach. Why it's so important, church, what folks are allowed to teach when it comes to matters of God, and it should matter to us. I would love to tell you that every person that calls himself a pastor is only going to preach God's holy word, but that is not true. I would love to tell you that every group that calls himself a church is going to hold fast to the confession of Christ and Christ alone, but that is not true, which means we have to pay attention. 
I listen to the Bible app all the time, and I like it. There's something about a guy with a British accent reading the scripture to me that just makes me happy. I'm not going to lie. It was a Revolutionary War. I don't know where it's from, but it's just good. I listen to it all the time. Try to listen to it every day. I have a few guys in here. We're doing devotions through that. I am not knocking at all. It is strengthening the faith of many, and I am a fan. However, I would also encourage everyone here. We had a hundred of them, and we gave them all out in the last few months. Bibles out here, hard paperback Bibles. In addition to the verses that we read on the screens, there's nothing wrong with it. It really does build our faith. I would also encourage every believer in this room hearing these words to also have a paperback version of the Bible that's printed for lots of reasons. One, there's just something cool, right, about holding that. It's good. I like that. But also, we do live in an ever-changing world. And it sounds science fiction-y. Does everybody ever listen to the news and go, this sounds like something that was made up in the 50s? I've read a few, and they seem pretty genuine sources about crazy places like China. You know that there are some groups that are saying the Chinese government right now is investing a lot of money into purchasing and editing things like the Bible app so that the word of God can be made to say what will best benefit the country. I'm not saying that's happening here today yet, but I am saying that's something to pay attention to. This is hard because I'm the guy that's doing this. I would hope that everyone in here, I, I can promise you, we have a lead team, we got staff, like there's a lot of accountability. This is dangerous. But just because I type something up and put it on a screen doesn't mean it's actually in here. You know what I mean? It is. It matches. And sometimes I do it so well, I put wrong verses, like it's it. But y'all, I'm saying like that's something to pay attention to, all right? For us to also really say, if you ever hear something go, I don't know if that's in the Bible, let's look. We want accountability. We want to make sure what we're teaching is true and valid from the pulpit to the Sunday school class to the youth group, to the children's, to the life groups and Bible studies. It is very important to pay attention. Because if not, false teaching can inch its way in there. In my life, I have never had Satan himself wake me up on a Tuesday morning and say, hi, Danny, it's Satan. Today at 1.30, I'm going to tempt you to sin and you're going to fall into it. Never happened to me one time. Usually... It's an inch-by-inch inch kind of process, you know? Plant a little seed, see something, say something, get a little angry, something, slow, a little baby step. And over the course of a day, or a few days, or a week, I can find myself getting closer and closer to the slippery slope. Y'all like to swim back in the day, swimming pools, right? Some of y'all still like to swim. Got the shallow end, the deep end, and in between, there's that slippery slope down. Me and my sister, before we could swim, what do you want to do? Get as close to the slippery slope as you can without slipping, because it's fun. Y'all, the same is true in churches. I would say the same is true with false teachers. There are false teachers in churches today. Most of them, I do not believe, woke up on a Tuesday morning and said, hey church, we're gonna lead us all into blasphemy. They didn't do that. They started by inching their way closer and closer away from the truth of God's word. Where over and over again, whether it was every Sunday or once a quarter or once a year, some folks in the congregation very likely said, that doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound, it sounds a little off, but it gets a little bit closer. What does that mean for us? We have to pay attention. Pay attention to what people are saying to you, especially when it comes to matters of spirituality. It's very important. If we are not careful, we can end up somewhere we do not want to be. And there are some who are trained really well to do that. Who we allow to teach 
and what they are allowed to teach matters to God. If you ever hear something that is not biblical, that is taught from this pulpit, any of our classrooms, or any of our life groups, we ask that you please let us know. Don't do it like right now, but don't stand up and scream it, but like in all sincerity, let us know because we want to make sure that we are holding true to what God has said. Second, we are called to hold fast until Christ's return. Church, Jesus is coming back. When? I do not have a date, but I do believe it with all of my heart. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. One of my greatest phrases in my life today is to say God is faithful. He has never broken a promise and he never will. Our society often uses the word hope as a euphemism for wishful thinking or to express a longing for the impossibility. I hope there's no wait at the restaurant today. I hope the weather's good for a ball game next week. I hope it's not as hot next summer. Y'all, it's going to be hot. It's summertime, right? I hope for those things. There's a difference between worldly hope and Christian hope. Worldly hope is hoping for something that may or may not happen. Christian hope is putting our trust and confession in something that has already happened. We are claiming fact. We are claiming truth. We are not saying, I hope Jesus really can save me from my sin. We are saying, no, I hope Jesus has saved me from, I'm declaring he has saved me from my sins. Christian hope is a true confidence that God will fulfill all of his promises. We know it will happen because of who he is and what he's done. Church, we must hold fast to the governing authority of our lives, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of his faithfulness, we must be faithful to him, holding fast to our confession without wavering. First service, we baptized a brother in Christ, Anthony Nation. His whole family was here. It's really cool. We asked him those same two questions. Do you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Do you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? Y'all remember what it was like when you confessed Christ the first time? Wide open, just excited, taking it in. For those that have been a Christian for a while, we've been believers for a while, we got to hold fast to it. Because if not, we could slowly, oftentimes unintentionally, inch away from it. Third, we must remember, and it's on all caps, with a cap exclamation point, we win. We win. If you read through Revelation, we can read through more of it in months and years to come. We win. According to these verses, to the church in Thyatira, in the future, Christ will rule the world. Scripture says he's going to rule it with a rod of iron. That sounds impressive. (laughs) To me, when Christ rules the world for all of eternity, when he comes into the kingdom and says no more, no more Satan, no more temptation, no more sickness, no more pain, none of it. And in those moments, for all of eternity, Nothing else can inch its way in because of who he is and what he's done. He's saying there's no, there's no chance for anything else. It's my way or the highway. And anybody that was on the highway is already on the highway. Like it's there. We win. What's crazy is this passage also says that God will allow us to rule with him. I'm not saying we're getting our own planet. That's a whole other religion, y'all. We're not doing that. What I'm saying is this is hard, but it's very true. The job that Hollywood and Disney and Hallmark, all some are lovely, some of them are lovely, like angels and harps, you know what I mean? Y'all, you're never going to be an angel. We've said the phrase, and some songs of you have been written about it, when I get my wings, you're not getting any wings. You know what I mean? 
Angels were created to worship and serve the Lord for all of eternity without any temptation to sin or fallenness. We are God's chosen people. Hear this, church. One day we, as believers in Jesus Christ, will bow before the throne, thanking God for doing what he has done in the midst of the angels. I've never met them face to face. I've got some ideas, but I do believe in those moments. We will be able to bring something to heaven that the angels can't bring to heaven, for we will bring redeemed hearts and souls So if you think this morning that when we get to heaven, you're going to be handed a heart and some wings and a fluffy cloud, that's some cute imagery, but it's not in the Bible. We're going to do more. We're going to live. Scripture says we're going to eat and have music. Some might be offended by this. We might even dance a little bit. Like there's going to be a lot in his presence. Had the chance to do a lot of funerals, and I believe this, and I say it at a lot of those funerals, every believer, like y'all, Anyone that is there now, and we have a lot of family and friends that are there. I think if God allowed them to have one word to us, you know, they would have a lot of crazy, cool stuff to say. I do believe the the first words they would say would be, it's so much more. It's so much more than I thought it was going to be. It's so real. He invites us to that. We are going to live with Christ forever. Actively serving, actively worshiping, actively doing in a kingdom that will have no end. Scripture also says that Jesus will give us the morning star. What could that mean? Lots of ideas. Here's one. The planet Venus has long been known as the morning star because it appears on the horizon just before the sun. Venus is closer to the sun than we are as it orbits the sun a little quicker. So when you see Venus, you know the sun is not far behind in the night sky. It will not be long before dawn comes over the horizon. Day is at hand. Could it be the morning star could represent hope for a new day and that darkness is soon to be broken? Maybe. It's another than in the darkest moment of the night, Jesus says, but the morning star is coming. To me, my favorite part of the whole sermon today is this. What does it mean to get the morning star? In Revelation 22, verse 16, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. I am the bright morning star. Church, Jesus is the morning star. He is the gift. He is the promise that he has promised. And he's never broken a promise in my life, and he never will. He promises to give us himself We will see him face to face. We will be his and he will be ours. Church, our final reward is to be with him. And that is really good. Let's pray. Lord, today we thank you for fulfilling every promise you've ever made. Lord, if there's anyone here that is struggling with listening to a false teacher somebody here might be even doing some false teaching God I pray that you would convict us of sin Lord allow us you do to, time to repent to lay that down Lord I pray that we as a church that churches in our town in our nation around the world would hold fast to the teachings of Christ Lord if there's anyone in here who has never confessed Christ as Lord let today be the day that they do that Romans 
10, 9 and 10 says, if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord of our life and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And Lord, help us to remember the name that is above every name. The name at which scripture says, God, when it is spoken in heaven, every knee will bow in heaven, on the earth, under the earth. Lord, help us to remember Jesus the Christ. Lord, many of us have been promised things in this life that have not come true or promises that have been broken. There are some very likely hearing these words right now that are struggling through some other broken promise or a broken commitment or a broken word or a broken something. Lord, help us to remember now that you are not any of those things. You are more. You fulfill your promises. God, I have prayed to you on my best days and on my worst days. And you know, Lord, in some of those prayers, I have felt as if when I said amen and opened my eyes, I would see you standing before me. Because your presence was so real. I haven't experienced that yet, Lord, but I do know and I believe it with all of my heart that one day, God, I will open my eyes in the first, I truly believe, the first thing I will see in heaven will be Jesus himself. The morning star saying, welcome home. Danny, no more sickness, no more pain, no more divorce, no more struggle, no more evil, no more sin. Perfect holiness forever. God, we're not there yet because we're here and you know that it hurts and it's hard. So I pray, Lord, for our people. I pray for our church that we would continue to seek and to hold fast our confession of hope. Lord, remind us if there's someone here, here in these, that is struggling this morning, I pray that right now you would overwhelm them with the Holy Spirit. God, allow them to catch a glimpse of the morning star as they learn your name. Remind them how much you love them, Lord. As we trust in Jesus together, we win. (laughs) And we are grateful. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We invite you to stand with us, church, if you're able, as we sing our closing song called What a Beautiful Name. If I can pray with you about anything, I'd love to have that opportunity. If you'd like to talk about baptism, confessing Christ as Lord, being a brother or sister, just to lay a hand and pray with you, we'd love to have that chance. Let's lift our voices together as we worship the King.